0: you, your lucky sausage. You found the Talk Marketing Show where the League of Marvelous Marketeers give up everything you need to be more successful in your business.
1: Ladies and gentlemen,
0: may I have your attention, please? Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Hello there, my name is Martin Henley. This is the Effective Marketing YouTube channel. And if you've spent a second here, you will know I am on a mission to give you through this channel everything you need to be successful in your business. Now, as far as I know, and as far as I can help you, there is only one way to be successful in your business, and that is to be successful in your sales and marketing. So not only am I here giving you everything I know about sales and marketing, I'm also pulling in anyone I can find, anyone I can convince to come and share their expertise and their experience with you also. So today's guest has been in sales leadership roles since 2008. He has also run his own coaching business, Secret Source Coaching, since 2017. He is draws all his inspiration from his history in sports performance. He road at a high level. He is currently enjoying his 18th year of his holiday in the UK. Today's guest is Head of Sales at MPP. Today's guest is Victor Paddy.
1: Good afternoon, Victor. Good afternoon, Martin. How are you doing? Are you you well? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. It was a very, very good introduction. Thank you very much. That's good. I do like to give people... Yeah, my mum my will uh, will be very pleased with the uh, uh, the longest holiday uh, reference of, of 18 years being in the UK. 18
0: years is a long time to spend on holiday in the UK, man. It rains a lot there. It,
1: it does, especially in Manchester. It, it is, yes. But um, clearly there are some other perks that I'm enjoying.
0: <laughs> Good. We don't need to dwell too much on what those other perks might be. Whereabouts are you? Are you in Manchester?
1: Uh, yeah, south of Manchester, so uh, okay. three minutes from, from the airport. So okay. convenient for uh, going on different types of holiday.
0: Okay, good. So you have holidays within your holiday. It sounds like a great idea to me.
1: Um, so I'm interested in
0: this idea. Like, you're subject is sales leadership. And I'm interested in what it takes to lead salespeople. Like, you've seen a couple of episodes. I don't know if you've got oh, – you saw Jamie. So we were talking about sales mainly – in the episodes that I think you've seen, this is such an interesting area. You know, it's like motivating salespeople is interesting because I don't think people want to be salespeople. I started off as a salesperson, but it happened because I didn't know what I wanted to be. Um, So I think people don't want to be salespeople then they don't want to do sales. So I think this whole idea of leadership and kind of how you coach salespeople is really interesting to me. And I'm interested yeah. in this idea of sports performance. So we'll get that's to the true. five questions. But how does sports performance inform sales performance? Maybe that's what I'm interested to know first.
1: Well, I, I, I guess there, there's one question on the back of your intro that I, I need to ask you about this. Why, why do you think that people don't want to be salespeople? So we'll, we'll come back to this. Uh, but sales performance and and Sports performance, I think, are closer than people realize, and the reason behind it is that um, you go into your gym, you walk out of the gym, and you don't expect to have a six-pack. The same in 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 sales position, you don't spend one day prospecting or speaking to customers and achieving your target, annual target, monthly target, or, or a weekly target. If you do then please tell me what you're doing because I, I want to, I want to bottle this in and, and sell to somebody. So I guess the the idea of a compound effect of doing something over a prolonged period of time, even though you might not see the results is the same in sports and as, as, it, as it is in sales uh, putting yourself into an uncomfortable position, so sports, you know, training until, you know, your heart rate goes into red. In sales is speaking to people and getting rejected. And yet having the mindset of, you know, one, another no is one step closer to a yes. The same in sports, another grueling session is one step closer to being better at your craft.
0: Okay, I see it. I see it. And I think there's something about sales and marketing and sports yeah. where you have to put yourself in the game. You know, it's Ooh. about commitment. So you can play a really bad game of football and not actually have much of impact on anything that's going on on the pitch unless yeah. you are 100% committed. So I don't know you're near Manchester my football hero is Roy Keane so yeah. the reason he is my football hero is because he was so committed like there was there was never an instance where he turned up on the field where he didn't give and leave absolutely everything he had to leave on the on the pitch sure. and to a lesser degree I think that's what you need in sales Ooh. so because you have to be resilient you have to be persistent you have to be all of these things, but you have to be more than anything. You have to be effective because Ooh. you have the opportunity in every conversation not to ask the difficult question. Do you know what I mean? Well, and yeah. then you go away. So like like a really easy but very common instance might be if you are calling a prospect and the prospect says, don't talk to me, I can't talk to you now, I'm in a meeting. Yeah. And if you're not in the game, you might say, oh, okay, no, I'm sorry to have troubled you, I'll try you another time. Now, mm. that's one way to handle that call. What I would always do is say, okay, 100%, I'm hearing you, when exactly is the best time to call you? Because the chances are then the next time, even if they're not in a meeting, they might say, I'm in a meeting because they just want to get rid of you. Do you know what I mean? So sure. just being in the game, I think, is what's required of sales and marketing people and sports people. I don't know what you think. I don't know if there's a question in there.
1: I mean, you know, you mentioned a couple of things, you know, persistent and and resilient, right? You know, and, and how many phone calls do you need to make these days to set up a meeting? How many pitches do you have to go through to, you know, have a successful sale? Looking at the statistics from the initial cold outreach, from the marketing email to successful sale you probably the numbers look around 0.2 percent one percent if if you do everything right so the chances the statistical chance is is extremely low so you have to be persistent you have to be resilient um and it's very similar to you know sports um that you know you go and work out 10 times a, a, a you know in a month or or seven times a week and you do over a prolonged period of time. And only after X amount of years, you see results, you master your craft. You know, there's this uh, famous Japanese approach of you only become a master if you do something for 10,000, 10,000 days or 10,000 hours. Um, So I I guess that's that's not too dissimilar in, in, in sales team. And I guess Nowadays, you know, we are all, I, I, I guess, fragmented in a way that, you know, we're not sitting in one place. Um, you know, people are sitting at their at homes um, and to to be successful in sales. So you have to do the right things when nobody else is looking. Yeah. See, so, you know, it's it's very easy to say to, to your manager, to, to your leader. Oh yeah, I've been super busy, but you know, where in fact you've been you know watching youtube videos for for a whole day right um then another another element you mentioned is is being effective you know I, i'm you know i would like to think that efficiency and effectiveness beat productivity you know um innovating ways of, of being effective and efficient is something that we have to constantly uh, introduce into cell practice. Same, you know, in sports, different methods of training. You know, we've got certain ways of doing something, and then all of a sudden, somebody comes in and you know uh, trains in a different way, finds the the edge of the one percent or five percent, uh, and and that's that's the similarity between sports and and salespeople. So let's face it, you know, um, how many companies are are there that are unique? that offer something that is, you know, so unique that everyone will, will buy it regardless of the sales process. I, d- I don't, think there are many. So the only differentiator really is, you know, how you approach the sales process and whether you challenge somebody's thinking, whether you, um, provide enough insight for them to think, Oh, actually, you know, these people are the experts in, in what they do. Well, that's not going to happen, you know, on the on a, call number one on call call number 10. You have to go through a a hundreds of thousands of of calls, pitches and um, become a master of your craft.
0: Yeah. So I think the other similarity then is kind of like sales management and sports management where you could be the best manager in the world. You could set your team up in the very best way. But if when they get on the pitch, they are not committed then it doesn't work and like you say you don't mm. you probably don't even get to see that because they might be working from home or they're presenting and and you're not yeah. there so that's interesting to me as well i want to push back on this persistence and this do I want to push back this early? Um, I don't know. Push back? Let's have a. I love the debate. So I, okay, I, good. Yeah. So I, I, I think people don't want to sell. So you said, why did I say that? I know. I've seen it. People yeah. in. I had a sales career for like ten years. It was yeah. an amazing job. You know, it took me to cricket World Cup finals. It took me to mad nights out in Durban in South Africa and. You know, I did astounding things. If you told me when I was a child, when I was having my career's conversations at schools about what what I wanted to do or what I could do, if someone said there's this job where you will go all over the world, because like my sales and marketing career has taken me all over the world, talking to all kinds of people, experiencing all kinds of things and cultures, and it's been amazing. And it's sales. I might have resisted, you know, because... And I don't know if this is in the English psyche. I know in America they have a very different attitude, but people don't want to be selling. And I understand that because selling, it misses. And this is what I mean about the effectiveness. It's like you can have a sales conversation, but if you don't ask for a commitment from your prospect to take the next step, then the whole thing is wasted. Then you're driving back to the office and you've got no idea what's going to happen next in that relationship. So I think a number of things. I think if your conversion rate is 0.2%, then I would say in my terms, you're not really in a sales role because for those 99.8% of people who said no, if maybe they weren't good leads, let's put it that way. You know, so and if they're not good leads, if they haven't had a commitment, if they haven't shown a, a demonstrable interest in paying for the service that you're providing, then I would say you're in a marketing role. You're still doing the awareness about what the product is, what the benefits are, all those kinds of things. So is there a question in here? There is a question in here. The question is, I don't know. Let's let's explore this more. Uh, so, the, so the answer so, to the couple
1: question of th- is... A couple of things to unpack yes. here. Like, yes. Firstly, let um, the, there is a stigma about being in sales in the UK. Yes. Whenever people ask salespeople, what do you do? People are like, oh, work in sales, you know, yes. very apologetic. Yes. You go to the US and, and people are VP of sales and so excited about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess I challenge anyone to find a career that offers as many opportunities as a sales does. Yes. Um, and, and to earn, if you're a great salesperson, you could earn a lot of money. Yes. Um, while doing it, having a great work and life balance, if you ahead of target, you know, you know, life couldn't be better. Yes. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's very UK centric, um, you know, being kind of apologetic about being, being in sales. Um, you know, I remember I looked, we're moving home. Um, or in the process of, and, and I, I was tidying up and I looked at some of my pay slips from 2012. So that's a decade ago. Um, I was on um, kind of medium sales position. Um, and, and there were three months that every single month, I cleared on average 13,000 pounds in commission. I mean, for somebody who was back then, what 28, yeah, um, I wasn't working forty hours. Sorry, uh, but you know, to turn that sort of money, you know, you, you probably would have to be equivalent of what a a surgeon in the UK or GP, and and you know, if the deal doesn't go your way, you know, people what what will people say? Oh, let's move on to the next one. If you're a surgeon or a GP, you know, we've got people's lives on on their hands, so you know, I, I think, you know, I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm proud of being in sales because of the things that you mentioned, it has taken me to many different countries, it exposed me to different cultures, exposed me to speaking to different people, attending different events, presidents clubs, and, you know, earning a great commission. So um, I'm, I'm probably one of the proudest salespeople you, you ever meet. I'm still salesperson at heart, so even though I've got a sales leadership role, I still love to get involved. So I do prospecting. I speak to clients, you know, try to pick up some some deals here and there and, and everywhere because the, the cold face is just keep, keeps me honest.
0: Yes. Okay. And don't get me wrong. Um, I loved selling. And I think of, of sales entirely different from the way that people do. And it's you know it just blows my mind that sales and marketing because marketing doesn't fare much better have yeah. these really poor reputations but Ooh. actually let's face it if not, if the marketing's not happening and the sales isn't happening and no Ooh. money's coming into that business that business isn't going to exist for very long you know so my attitude now is like sales and marketing too often are like the smallest kids in the in the playground And they're turned against each other. Do you know what I mean? They're picking on each other, which isn't a good situation to be in. Now, I think what happens is that when you go into sales, you don't end up selling. I've got kind of, because I think too much about these things, I've got very definite ideas about what marketing is and about what sales is. And what marketing is about, essentially, is delivering a sales opportunity to salespeople. And a sales opportunity is a point, the point where somebody has expressed a genuine interest in paying for the product that you offer. That's what a sales opportunity is. And I think very often that doesn't happen. Marketing don't do a good job of that. So what happens is salespeople end up doing the least effective form of marketing, canvassing, cold calling, knocking on doors, um, you know, what they can do, sending out a single email at a time so that's what it strikes me and if you are cold calling that for me is telemarketing that's not telesales you know so i make that yeah. distinction <clears throat> so i think that's part of the the trouble having said that when i was selling i might have sold to five people who called me do you know what i mean every other sale i ever yeah. made in my life is where i've initiated the contact probably from a cold call so yeah. i
1: i think yeah, and I think oh, just just one one point on the back of it. Yeah. Right, so I think the divide between sales and marketing is blurring. So um, I've heard Ben, one of your one of your previous uh, guests, yes, use, using a phrase that I think I've introduced to him. <laughs> okay. Um, I, need, I, need, I need to trademark it. Okay. Um, it's called it's called marketing Yes. So I I think uh, that marketing have to adopt um, a sales mindset and salespeople have to adopt a marketing mindset. And the reason behind it is, is not because of marketing or or sales cycles or sales processes, is about how people make purchasing decisions. So in the past, to put into perspective, um, when I was one of my first jobs, um, every single week, um, I used to, uh, dedicate a day to set up my own appointments and, and record day. I managed to get 18 appointments in a day. So, you know, open the Yale book and pick up the hotels and did the hotel, um, campaign pick up the phone say, can I speak to the owner? Yes. Hello. Hi. Um, let's talk about your card acquiring, you know, I happy with your current, um, provider, yes, no, let, let's meet up and go through a free review. 18 appointments in a day. Like to do that, these that, to do that these days, it will be impossible because the way that people make purchasing decisions is they go online and they research all the stuff themselves. So by the time they engage with anyone, they already either are very well informed or they think they're very well informed or they're already made a decision. So what sales and marketing need to become is the thought leaders and influencers. So when people are looking for the stuff that you are selling or the value that you're adding, that you are there, you know, at the top of the search, or you know, you're producing a lot of content so then people engage with it. People refer to you or refer you to 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 other people because they think that you're a thought leader within the space that you're in. And I I agree with you that in terms of, you know, if there's a lot of noise that comes from marketing to sales and sales and marketing, that kind of add add a um, constant power struggle. Um, Because, you know, we, we look at this, you know, in, in a, I, I, I think in a flawed way, you know, we've got all this MQEs, MQLs, you know, different metrics. Well, ultimately, what we should be looking at is how much business we generate through either marketing channel, sales channel. So that's the only metric we should be looking at. You know, has has the camp have the campaign that you've done and sent ten thousand um, case studies? Has this generated an opportunity then closed, or you know, five thousand people clicked on it but nobody was interested? Because if if that's the case then it's a waste of time right or maybe they're they're not interested right now but you know if you then nurture them they'll, they'll become interested in the future
0: yeah see what i say to people so i started in sales i'm also a very proud salesperson i like the fact but i think about sales differently so I call my business the effective marketing company because I'd always worked on the sales team and yeah. watched the marketing people load it up with all of the budget and none of the target whilst we had mm-hmm. all of the target and none of the budget this was kind of the thinking yeah. so if I start a marketing company at least I'll be where the budget is you know it's kind of important mm-hmm. if you're doing a, if you're a business to do that um and so you're right they are pitted against each other and they do blame each other but for me it's a it's a chronology So very often people would say to me, either we're going to engage you, the effective marketing company, that was my business, or we're Mm. going to employ salespeople. So people don't seem to understand that leads are the work of salespeople. So if you Mm. have too many leads, you need more salespeople. In every other Mm -hmm. instance, you need more marketing is what I would say. And marketing is vast. Marketing is from market identification to product development, to pricing, to positioning, Mm -hmm. to brand, to targeting, to all of those things. So for me, if the marketing and the sales are working together, which they absolutely should, it should be like rugby. It should be passing the ball for the salesperson to run on and do the difficult thing. It should be backs to forwards in in rugby, for example. Um, But very often that's not the case. And it should be like a perfect loop because your salespeople end up talking to your prospects, at which point they should feed back to marketing and say, okay, this is the situation. If we could evolve the product in this way, then we're going to get much more. Do you know what I mean? Whereas what happens is very often salespeople blame the marketing people because the leads are poor and the marketing Mm -hmm. people blame the salespeople because they say, well, they are just um, lazy or stupid or they're not interested to do their job properly. Um, So this is a situation. So maybe this is where we get to the questions. This is the situation that salespeople are in. And they need to be led. So the five questions, you'll know the five questions. How are you qualified to talk to us about sales leadership? Uh, Who do you work with? How do you add value to their lives? That might be people you lead. It might be your clients. What is your recommendation for people who want to get better at sales leadership? What should people read? Who can you throw under the bus to have some of these conversations with me? So the first question then is how are you
1: qualified to talk to us about sales leadership? well you know there there is an institute for professional sales um that I'm a member of, but I don't think um without doing them any disservice that that in in my point of view qualifies as a as being qualified um I guess some people say you know I've got a tenure of x amount of years I don't think that makes you qualified either um so um I guess my the the reason why i think you know i could talk about it and and i feel fully qualified um i guess i know that i know nothing in many ways so so um um quoting socrates here but you know i i look at the um people that i worked with and and they moved on either from my teams from from the companies i still keep in touch with them and um, my sounds a little bit cheesy, but one of the guys that used to work with me and help him develop called me at the end of January, he he went to a different company, um, and he called me at the end of January and said, Victor, um, I already smashed my annual target. and and the reason why I've done it because I've, I've done everything that you told me to, or you taught me and, and all the stuff that, that, you know, we've talked about really, really works. Um, so that was a very proud moment for me personally, yeah. and I thought, you know what, actually, you know, there, there's a there's element of of you know that clearly what I'm talking about works. Um, do I convince everyone that I work with that that's the right way to do? Absolutely not. Um, many people push back in sales. Many people got big egos um and many people think that they know absolutely everything so my success rate is not 100 percent. so I, I still struggle coaching some people i still struggle working with some people because they don't really want to learn or unlearn uh, but the ones that, that kind of buy into my methodology and buy buy into my approach they seem to be doing all right um so maybe this is why i feel i'm qualified to talk to you okay good you don't have to be
0: very qualified to talk to me it's the truth <laughs> well i'm interested you know.
1: to know how people think about
0: that because some people get caught up on oh, i've got a certificate or some people get caught up on i've got some experience um i don't know if you saw the chat that oh, okay yes yeah, so i do want to talk to you about this tony morris so mm. you said nothing happens on the first day tony morris i published like a week or two ago and he's a yeah. sales trainer his superpower is, check this, he gets up on stage and he cold calls the audience's prospects Okay. on stage. Great. And he gets, he gets results. And his thing was, his headline was, um, it's got nothing to do with experience. It's about success. So his thing was, you can do something really badly for 20 years. You know, right. or you can have a year or two where you do it amazingly, you know, it's the year or two where you did it amazingly that it really counts.
1: Yeah. So we, we, we get hung up on, you know, how many years have you spent there? You know, how many, you know, what's your longevity on the, on the CV? And, you know, <clears throat> I know, so I've, I was interviewed for, a um, a while back for, for a head of sales position and the managing director, um, questioned my squiggly career, um, and, and you know, I explained everything to him and, and he said, you know, I I don't think you'll be will be the right person for us and you know we'd look for a longevity and I was not great, you know, if I'm not the right person for you, that that that's perfect, right? You can't win them all. Right. Um and interestingly enough, um a few months down the line, um I've I've because I was following the company, they they went to administration because it was run badly. But yet this guy was with them for twenty years. Yes. So, you know, whenever we, you know, whenever I interview anyone, you know, I, yes, I'm interested in, um, you know, people's background in what they sold, what technology they sold or where where they've been in terms of exposure and, and, and understanding certain things. But you can't create behaviours and you can't create the, the attitude. You can't create the the persistence, the, the resilience. And the best people that I manage to 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 you know coach and in interview were the ones that were the underdogs the ones that were, had something to prove and the the ones that were driven because you know um they sometimes they had no other choice or or sometimes that, you know that that's what they wanted to do um you know i've i've uh, you mentioned the certification you know i'm, I'm a believer in education because i think it helps you with being more articulate it helps you with reading, writing and analysis, being, you know, critiquing certain things, but, you know, having, obtaining a certificate or diploma or whatever degree doesn't make you qualified. It's what you do with it. You know, that, that really counts. You know, it's like buying sports equipment. If it sits in your garage, you could have the best sports equipment, but you know, unless you use it and use it correctly, um, then it's not going to, 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 to do anything for you. Yes.
0: One hundred percent. So there's something you said before about some salespeople push back. This is Ooh. also one of the quirks of sales and sales management. Is you yeah. have to be a little bit, res- you have to be a little bit what's the robust, let's say. You can't yes. be a wallflower if you're in sales because then your customers will just walk all over you. So there has yeah. to be some rebelliousness. There has to be some Ooh. attitude. There has to be all of these things for that to happen. Here's what upsets me about this persistent idea, and every no takes you closer to a yes. Maybe that works still in my model, but the idea of it doesn't. If you tell a salesperson it takes 20 touches to convert a customer, then they Mm -hmm. will just go through and they will have ineffective 20 touches and maybe they'll be surprised when they get to the 21st touch and the person isn't falling over to buy the thing. Hmm. I think the job of salespeople is to make the most of leads. Okay, hmm. so if they're generating their own leads, they're not doing sales at that point, they're doing canvassing, they're doing really inefficient marketing, I think. Making the most of leads is qualifying the person in or out, like mm-hmm. is that what is the likelihood that they're actually going to need this And if they're a really good salesperson, they'll be asking the question, what is the likelihood that they're actually going to implement and benefit from this? So that's the Mm -hmm. first thing they do. So qualify them in or out, you know, and that could, could, should happen maybe on the first or second call. So, but, okay, so I'll come back to that. And then the second thing is making the most of leads. That is getting referrals and networking from that conversation to open up other conversations so for me yeah. in an ideal world that's all the marketing a salesperson should be doing they should be getting yeah. a lead <clears throat> they should be speaking to somebody and qualifying them in and out and then generating more opportunities from that one conversation the
1: point of so it is, let me just just interject yes. in, in this point yes because um, let's say on average it takes 20 touches to um to make a sale right and i guess it depends how you frame it or or how you um try to or the way i try to position it with with anyone that works for me uh with me is that on average it might take let's say 20 um 20 touches but your role is to get to a no or to yes before the 20. yes if you are if you're doing a 20 then you're not providing people with enough insight you're not adding value to them they're not right for you this might not be right timing um it might be not ideal customer for you or don't, they might not be ready to buy so if you adopt this mindset that you know the 20 is the the average you should be trying to do it in two or three yes and, okay. and if you are going through the motions of you know i'm doing 20 then um, I mean, you, then you're an average person, right? Who yes. wants to be average? Well, nobody wants to be average, but
0: apart from most salespeople are bang average. Because yeah. because what you do, exactly like you say, is you just go through the motions. So they've mm. done their job. They've done everything you asked them to do. You know, you said they was going to take 20. They did the 20. And in the, in the end, the guy just didn't fancy it. Well, maybe the guy well, didn't well, fancy what, it what, on what, call where one. Why do we
1: think? Where do we think it's stemming from, Martin? I don't, I don't, let's come
0: back to that in a second because there was something else that I've already forgotten that I wanted to say, which was ah, so the game becomes in those environments, as long as they haven't said no, there is still a chance that they might say yes. So the Mm. game becomes don't give them the opportunity to say no. So mm. really, I think what effective salespeople do, like Roy Keane always did, is they put mm. themselves right in the game and they give them every opportunity to say no. Because if, yeah. if the no's going to come on the 20th call, it's much better that you get it on the, on the first call, because then you've got 19 other calls to be to invest in. Do you see what Absolutely. I'm saying?
1: Absolutely. <clears throat> um, I, I, I fully agree with this. Because, yes. you know, uh, for, for, for me, it goes back to the effectiveness and, and, and efficiency. You can't win absolutely everyone, right? There's there's not a, a person on earth that is loved by 100% of people. Yeah. There's, there's no product or service that will be loved by absolutely everyone. And And if, yes, we could influence people. Yes, we could provide people with inside value. But if, let's say, somebody has got a five-year contract, they're just signed. And, and, you know, you could be him, messaging him or her until your face is blue, 20 touches, 100 touches. Yep. They're not ready to buy. Right? So, so I agree well, with I'm you. What I'm saying uh, is the, 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 if
0: your business works on a subscription model, on a contractual model, the first yeah. question on the first call should be, when are you, when are you contracted until? absolutely and then they say i'm contracted to 2016 it's like okay when does this go into consideration not 2016 it's already 2022 i'm contracted till 2026 when do you start considering this 2025 okay fantastic i'm going to call you january 2025 let's go for a nice lunch and talk about what i can do for you do you know that's the conversation that should happen but what i'm saying is and i don't know if if you've experienced this it's not what happens in the real world. It's like as long as they don't answer that question, then they won't say no. They've got someone to call. They are justifying mm. their job. you know. So mm. that's what I think goes on in sales departments. I've seen it <coughs> a lot. Every sales yeah, department no, and, I've ever been in has people who are going through the motions.
1: Yeah. And and so, so I've kind of asked you the question, where, where do you think it stems from? Um, my answer to this is that the you know looking at those things and you're looking at the pipeline um people at the top they like to see you know we've got 10 million pounds worth of of pipeline right yes and and it's very difficult On not difficult but you know i think that our role and you know me being a sales leadership role you know when i came uh, many of the roles the first thing i do i go with every single salesperson for their pipeline and say, if you were to put your mortgage on on this deal, will it close? Yes or no. And if they say no, we remove it from a pipeline. So then instead of having 10 million, you've got a 1 million, uh, but then the conversion rate is 80%, but then it exposes or provides you with a true understanding of the strength of a pipeline. Yes. Because, you know, then you could turn, okay, we need to do more marketing. We need to do more webinars. We need to ask for more referrals. We need to change our pricing. We need to go into a different region. We need to expand into a different sector. Yes. Um, the same with, you know, the 20 touches, you know, somebody sits there and, and marketing team say, okay, it takes 20 touches. Let's email one, email two, email three, you know, and all of a sudden we put in the CRM. The same with sales process, you know, it's discovery, qualification. And, and we predefined it for, for people. So then they follow it because we expect them to. Yes. And I think what I try to encourage for, for everyone is to say, okay, is am I doing things right or following 20 steps? Or am I doing the right thing? And the difference between for the, the former and the latter is that if you're doing the right thing is speaking to somebody on the call one and saying they will never buy from us or they will buy from us in a five years time. And then, you know, we'll say um, goodbye and, and we'll revisit in three years time or whenever they are ready to make a purchasing decision. But then, you know, the sales leaders and leaders overall in the company, they feel very uneasy to, you know, when you say to them, actually, our pipeline is not 10 million, it's 1 million. But our confidence around us is, is, is you know, 80% rather than, you know, having 10 million closing 5%, right? Yeah, yeah. Victor, what are and, you doing? You know, You've
0: only been here 20 minutes. You've just written off 90% of our pipeline. But this is well, this is yeah. the thing is where sales managers have to be in the game because they have yeah. to be standing on their salespeople like you are and saying, would you put your mortgage on this happening? Because if you wouldn't, yeah. it's, not, it's not strong enough for me. Yeah. And then the, the, the beauty of that is that people get better. Now, you say that you have to be resilient. You have to handle rejection. I also don't buy into that. Like your job as a salespeople is to qualify people in or out. You know, if these are the right conditions for them to buy something, they'll buy it. If they're not the right conditions, then they won't. It's not got anything to do with the salesperson because the salesperson is just operating in the universe as they find it. Now, apart from the salesperson's job, like the sales manager's job, is to rattle people's cages and make sure that when they are qualifying this, they are dealing with an engaged person. Because if the yeah. person is just trying to fob them off, then obviously the whole pipeline is going to go away immediately. So I really like this. I
1: guess, idea. I guess it's also the, the, my kind of idea of resilience and, and persistence is, you know, I look at sales and not only the initial kind of qualification, but, you know, through discovery solution presentation, demos to close and actually somebody trading with you, right? Or, yes. Or, you know, um, and at those different points, things could go wrong. You know, you, you might not, you know, you might have the best sales process for everything. You might be engaged with somebody. All of a sudden, you've got a black swan and, and you find out that CEO is a CEO with a, your competitor and they do a deal behind the scenes and you lose a deal. Yes. Right. So you have to be resilient because, you know, you, even if you were to execute the sales process in, in the best way, you, you know, map it out with the buying process, you know, have uh, you know all the buyers, you know, find out what people are trying to fix, accomplish, avoid, go through everything. Um, you know, so to put it in perspective, one of the biggest deals I've ever won in my life, um, it took me three years to, to close them, um, spend probably around 30-odd meetings, um, proposals back and forth, um, providing a lot of insight, meeting with them, provided you know, all all the things that you could imagine, you know, introducing our CEO to their CEO. We won a deal um, to start a trading. To put into perspective, in a week, they have achieved my annual target. So that's the size of a deal. Yeah. Week after that, their um, VC that they had, decided to pull out of the market. And they couldn't find a seller, they went to the administration, the company in question. Um my, our finance team decided to strip out all the numbers from my target, because they said they went to administration, they're not trading with us anymore, as they closed, you know, 68 in your commission plan, if the company's not trading with, you know, removing it out from from your compensation. So in two weeks, they've done 200% of my target, I went from 200% to zero overnight yeah and a week after that i had a conversation with my mother who called me and said obviously on zero percent you know what are you going to do about bridging the gap if i wasn't resilient and if i you know didn't have this you know i need to do something about it then I should probably you know pack my my bags and and yes went somewhere else right so so i, I guess this is why what i'm trying to say is that Know, you know. even the, the best qualifier leads, you still there's a wider process that we have that you have to, you know, keep on pushing and keep on, you know, um, asking for no's because, you know, if you, you know, if the deal might be 80% there, if you're not qualifying it every single stage and you're not getting the real picture of it, then you'll have a bad outcome at, at the end of it, so you know. That's the where where the resilience comes comes in, I guess.
0: Yes. Okay. So I'm so if you are going through protracted sales processes and you're selling to corporations or startups and there's VC and there's yeah dozens of factors going on in this this deal, then it could happen. The thing is, the thing I think so. In which case, you have to be resilient and you have to be adaptable. And you have to be Mm. motivated to to continue to look for these solutions. I think the thing I take issue with is rejection. I don't Mm. think effective salespeople are good at handling rejection. I think they understand that this is the gig is trying to make these things work. And when they don't Mm. work, it's not because you failed. It might be occasionally Mm. because you failed. But it could be like you say, funding goes away or a new CEO Mm. comes in and he has a relationship or it could be dozens of things. So you have to be able to handle disappointment. But this Mm. idea that when you fail to sell to somebody or you get to a no, that that's Mm. personal to you and you should be able to handle rejection, I think, Mm. is not useful and and not Mm. my experience. You know every single every single sales process I've ever been involved in, every single sale I've ever been in, involved in, and probably ten percent of them happened, and ninety percent of them didn't. But mm. I was, I never felt rejected. It was never about anything. It was never about me personally, and it was very mm. rarely about something that I did. Just sometimes I'm working in complex situations, and all of the mm. the, the planets have to align for it to happen. So I I think the reason I'm driving at this is because it seems to me that these tropes about sales are not true in the best instance. Like successful people aren't successful because they're dealing with this. Successful people are successful because they're not encountering the things that we're saying. Like, they don't Mm. feel that they have to be persistent. They don't waste time trying to sell things to people who don't want to buy them. They don't feel like they're rejected because they're constantly qualifying the situation. Can this happen? Mm. Can this happen? Can this happen? So when it doesn't, they know exactly why it hasn't happened, and it's very rarely to do with them personally, I would say. So it just seems to me, this is a brand new realization that I'm having in this conversation, but it seems to me that there is a whole mythology built up Around sales failure. Mm. You know, the picture is drawn for anyone who doesn't want to put themselves entirely in the game to just be in that scenario where mm. you have to be resilient, you get rejected. You know, if you think, I don't know if you're a movie watcher, but you've seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, I'm sure, you know, where those salespeople who are failing just miserable failures you know whereas mm. the whereas the, the sales who are succeeding don't even get to experience any of what they're experiencing i don't know mm. this is what i'm thinking now
1: i guess there are two two things this is firstly is you know how often in any kind of post-mortem or companies actually do post-mortems or after the the um sales number one or when sales goes through, how often companies go through sales win analysis and say, Oh, we've done this right, you know, and in most of the cases is blaming salespeople, saying, Oh, they're lazy. Yes, you know, they're not doing this. And <clears> there's this, <throat> you know, goes back to, um, you know, you look at, I don't know, software teams, they don't deliver to, you know, because sales is, is very binary, right? I just sell or you don't sell. Yes. And you could do ninety percent of it, but you're not judged under ninety percent, you're judged on hundred percent or nothing.
0: Yes. All
1: right. So so, um I guess and, and you know, there are many companies and, and many sales leaders that you know, I've seen it in the past, you know, people sell for years and they're extremely good performance, uh, performers, and they've got a bad year and all of a sudden they're being put on pips and and you know be, they've been chastised and and you know they are all you know they lost this, their edge and nobody then questions is our product still you know as good as it used to be have we got more competition um you know are we engaging with the right companies is our marketing engine right or whatever so so that that's probably a part of it i guess um i think this that's is a, why i think that's a huge part of
0: it because yeah. Because there is, like, because every sale that doesn't happen Mm. is seen as a failure, you know? And it's part of this whole BS. Like, I think pipelines are really, really dangerous because typically a pipeline is just full of prospects that haven't said no yet. And Mm -hmm. nobody's got any idea of if they're going to say no or not because they haven't even been challenged to say no, to say, like, so surely, like, part of my qualification is you know, like part of my qualification in a sales conversation is it's qualification. It's Mm. like you make friends with them, you qualify them, you grill them. You know, how much Mm -hmm. do you buy? When do you buy? Why do you buy? How do you buy? What's the best thing? What's the worst thing? What's the blah, 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 blah. And before you go to closing, which is when do you want to see this happen? If you haven't had that conversation, you've got no idea what's going on. But every Mm. sale that doesn't happen is seen as a failure. And Mm. you're right. Then there needs to be a post-mortem. Mm. Why? <laughs> you know, it could. It, yeah. So, if businesses trusted their salesperson, the salesperson should be able to say, he didn't have the budget, he didn't have the authority, he didn't have the, you know, the inclination, he didn't really understand the benefits, he wasn't particularly engaged in this particular challenge that we want to address. It didn't happen, the stars didn't align, it didn't happen, we move on. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But it's like, so there is too much focus on the negative, I would say, mm. in lots of instances.
1: And it's, you know, I guess there's a lot of finger pointing in sales, you know, it's very easy to say, you know, oh you know, they haven't delivered. Um, to put it in perspective, one of the jobs I had as a sales leader, I was brought on board to create a sales team, the company they've not sold for four years, not sold anything for four years, nothing whatsoever. Um, in a CRM when, when I started, they had three different prospects. So that's the state of play. Yes. Right. Well, a great situation Um, came on board. um, A CEO has put an arbitrary target, said, we're releasing a product. I want 27 of them to be sold and our flagship product one being sold. Right. We've reached the end of the year from. Ground zero, we sold one point five million in-year contract, massive deal, had another one that it would would take us to two and a half, Um, but it was only two deals. But in terms of the number target, absolutely obliterated it. And the conversation I had with the CEO in January was, um, you need to put your team on pips because we haven't sold 27. And I was like, hang on a second, the product was supposed to be released in January, wasn't released until September, we have never tested it, we don't know whether it works, you know, that was our assumption is going to be right. We've reached a number and the, the only number we didn't reach was the arbitrary number of 27 to, at the beginning of the year, you thought will look great on your spreadsheet, but you know, we, we didn't do it. And he was like, no, oh, they're not doing, you know, what I th- want them to do. And, you know, we, we need to put everyone on, on the pip.
0: You see, and this goes on a lot. And this really Mm. upsets me. Where businesses Mm. develop a product in isolation. They've got no idea whether the market wants wants it or not. And then they employ salespeople to foist it on people. The Mm. market doesn't take it because it's not the right product. And then it's the salesperson's fault. And like you're saying, sometimes it's not even... It's the way things happen that the business doesn't like. Like, you're supposed to sell it in this way. So the Mm. way I sell is customer-centric. Like, I find customers who want to buy this thing. Don't waste my time on people who don't, you know. And when people who want to buy it, buy it and implement it and get value from it, then they're happy Mm. and they will, you know, that's the way I want to be functioning in my life. But very Mm. often businesses are like, you have to sell this thing in this way or you're a failure. Mm. I've absolutely. I've experienced that a lot, and that's that really upsets me. Because this... so have I.
1: And, <clears throat> and you know, and <clears throat> interestingly enough, the company in question. Um, I've told my whole team to resign, find different jobs. Yeah. Um, I've resigned. Um, and we all left and dispersed in the different directions. Every single one of them is super successful in what they do. Yeah. Um. You know, I found it and another great job, and you know, and interestingly enough, a few months down the line, or you know, you know, a year down the line, they still haven't sold anything. Yes, because you know, because they, the CEO had some idea of doing X, Y, and Z. Um, so yeah, no, but this this is where the kind of res, the element of resilience come in for me, because you know, we operate in the sales is the the spearheading, um of, of, you know, many companies. Um, and, um, we only get, you know, we only as good as our last deal, you know, people don't look at people's performance, you know, over the decade or few years, you only look into, you know, every single January or whatever your financial years, the, the clock back goes back to zero and you know, every month, you you know, every every month, month, you know, some, for some people it's every quarter, every week, you know, and 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 this is why you know you mentioned there's a you know there's a lot of people that are you know either unhappy miserable in in sales and they're just going through the the certain motions is because they their creativity and i guess it goes back to the question of whether sales is an art or, or or science right and i think for the art to be enabled there has to be an element of science in there but you know people got different ways of selling you know they i think what really trumps everything is is being authentic and if you really tone down people's authenticity and their their approach and put them in it you know this is the process you have to do you know this is the um stages you have to go through then they become unengaged robots yes
0: yeah and i've experienced that i mean i've seen that a Ooh. lot and What's the thing I wanted to say? The thing is, like, we've created this situation in the world where Mm. salespeople are essentially trading on their personalities. Yeah. So when they go out into the world and they do get a no, then it feels like a personal, yeah. So salespeople are managed. Like, if this doesn't happen, it's your fault. Okay, your fault. And so they're out there trading on their personality. So when they don't, when it doesn't happen, it feels like it's their fault. And this Mm. is what I'm saying about this: like every no brings you closer to a yes. Maybe that works, but I'd Mm. rather, if if I had to speak to twenty prospects in a day, I'd rather fifteen of them said no on the very first call so that I could focus much more of my energy in the other five who said yes. And if this happens over a week, at the end of the week, I've now got 25 solid prospects, which I can do something about. You know, I can work that. I can't work 125 people who just haven't said no to me yet. I can't do that effectively. But this this is where it comes back to this narrative where it's very personal to the salespeople. When lots of businesses are developing solutions and trying to sell solutions into markets that have no need or desire for those solutions, you know, and that for me is is This
1: is why I personally you know, you mentioned, you know, how am I qualified to be, you know, sales leader. I guess, and that's one of the things I encourage my sales team to do is to involve wider business at the different levels of customer conversation. So if we're talking about product, you know, go through a demo. We've got somebody head of product dialing in on the demo and hearing the feedback. This is why I encourage my team and everyone that worked with me to go through the post-mortem and yeah. say, you know, it, it, you know, I work in enterprise sales, so you know, you don't have hundreds of them every week. You know, I, I can see that it will present a challenge if you've got hundred deals, you know, every single week. I think I still think it needs to be done. But you know, having a post mortem, having the wider business involved and for them to say, actually, customer didn't like that we don't have those, you know, this is not on their on their roadmap or our competitors are doing XY better, or you know, our engagement with, with the board wasn't right. And then by doing so, um, I guess I try to protect my sales team so when they get the rejection, it's not just it's your fault. Yes, you know it takes a village to raise a child. These days, okay. it takes a village to to win the business. Yes, right. You know, I operated the enterprise level. You know, you look at the again statistics. It is in terms of number of buyers being involved is around eight. Okay. In terms of sellers being involved, you, you, you know, you, have, you should have a team of at least six. Right. You know, yes. CFO speaking to CFO. CEO speaking to CL, CTO speaking to CTO and the salesperson is then person that's orchestrating this, bringing yes. the right or introducing people to the right people qualifying in and out at every single stage, you know, going in and said, you know, before the center proposal saying, actually, we I don't think you want to buy from us. Yeah. And, and if, if they, you know, I, I, again, you know, one of the most, the, the ones that the successful sales that we went through is where I questioned people's desire to, to buy from us. And I said, I don't think, you know, you want to buy from us. I, I think your, your, your mind from the way you are asking questions or presenting us with requirements, I think you want to go with a competitor and some of, some of the cases said, yeah, absolutely. How did you know? And some of the cases are not actually, we want to do business with you. And, and then you ask why, and they tell you why they want to do business with you. So then you emphasize then then those points
0: yeah. and you
1: make, you make progress again. But, you know, again, you know, we, uh, the, the way that go, goes back to kind of this traditional sales approach and the people are going through those things is people are afraid to kill the deal before the proposal is sent. You know after you do the demo there's nothing wrong with killing a deal saying actually they're not going to buy from us let's move it, you know focus our time on 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 the people that want to do business with us yes you know if you do provide somebody with a list price and they say it's too expensive and you know they don't have a budget kill it off or you know you could have the best looking proposal they're not going to buy from you if they don't have the money yes but you know how many people you know i guess goes back to wider the question in, you know how many businesses overall, not only in a, in a sales environment, create a culture where failing, in inverted commas, is encouraged. And is the norm and
0: is what is expected yeah. because every mm-hmm. no brings you closer to a yes. Well, every, every, no, every no frees up time to invest in the people who have a genuine interest and are genuinely going to benefit from what you're selling, which is what mm. we should be doing. So, what did I want to say? I had this presentation once called "The Most Powerful Close in the World Ever." It works a hundred percent of the time. Do you know what? Do mm-hmm. you want to know what it is? Go on. You have to show some enthusiasm. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> Come on, Martin. <laughs> no. Just the word yeah. "no," and it's like, "No, I'm not going to sell it to you." No, mm. I don't think I'm getting the reaction. that I, I'm not getting the reaction from you that I would expect from somebody who was serious about buying this thing. Or no, you mm. haven't produced the things that we need to progress this. Or no, it's taken too long. Or just no. Do you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. going to waste any more of your time or my time. Because when you start saying no to people, what happens is one of two things, exactly like you've said, either they admit, yeah, I wasn't actually that interested, have a great life, maybe catch up in a few mm. years' time, we'll see where we are. Or they they buck up and they get things happening so it progresses on again. Um, mm. I still think that's the most powerful close in the world ever. Just mm. you saying no to people and then you don't feel rejected. Maybe they feel rejected. Yeah. And they should. They weren't good enough to buy your stuff.
1: You know, you've you no doubt heard, heard of the book Never Split the Difference. No. Um uh, so, so there's a famous... Um, FBI negotiator that okay. you know, talks about negotiating techniques and and his breaking up email or breaking up message um, that actually works because I've tested it. Um, it says it's one liner to say, "Have you given up on this project?" Okay, right. So you know people automatically like they they have to respond to it. But I agree with you. I agree with the with the, with the no approach. And you know there is a deal that. A, I actually personally going through because I picked it up because we had some staff changes um, and I messaged them and said, we haven't heard from you from you. So it tells me three things. One, you're still evaluating. B, you have chosen our competitor um, or C, um, you probably think we're too expensive.
0: Okay. And I
1: said, which one, which one of those is it? So I know what to do. Yeah. And they, they actually came back to me and said, you know, we're actually, you know, thanks for chasing up. And, uh, you know, actually we've got a couple of weeks, so our board is away on holidays, blah, 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 all that stuff. But you know, how, how often do you see salespeople ask, you know, asking those questions, not being afraid to say, you know, I don't think you're buying from us. I, I think you use us as a deal fluffer. And, that's, and again, uh, yes, goes back to this, you know, the, the creating a, a um, a structure where where failing is, you know, it's a good thing. Well, I don't even, I wouldn't even call it failing because
0: if you qualify someone out and you say, look, we're not going to invest any more of our resource in this opportunity because it's not a good opportunity, then that's okay. Like you'll have good opportunities, you'll have bad opportunities. But I think the word that you're, that you, that that word afraid Mm. sums up 90% of the salespeople I've ever met. They are Mm. afraid, you know, and they Mm. can't be rattling cages. They can't be upsetting people because they are afraid. And Mm. I think too many salespeople operate in a state of fear Mm. and it doesn't work. You know, you Mm. might as well just not employ those people because if they are too scared to function effectively, they're not going to do a job for you. You know, they're not going to produce for you.
1: Okay, you know, the, to, to, to you know, put in, going back to the kind of afraid point, you know, one of the calls with my SDR team um, dialed in, I think it was Friday, um, and the energy was flat. Honestly, Martin, it was the flattest energy, and I was like, you know, what is happening? And I went, oh, it's okay, you know, we, we're we quite busy. I was like, guys, are you, are you really okay? Or you just telling me that you're okay? I went, oh, no, it's been a, a long week. And I said to them at that point, I said, you know, we're all humans. You're entitled not to be on, at your best every single day. Yeah. Just say to me, Victor, I feel like shit. You know, I, you know I'm not going to pick up phone today because, you know, I'm not in the right frame of mind. We're some admin, get ready for the next week. And, you know, that's great. Yes. But how often in, in a working environment you could go to your boss and say, you know what, today I'm not going to work 100%. 'cause I don't feel great. I'm just going to bear, do bare minimum. And for them not to turn around and say, what on earth do you mean? But it again goes back to the kind of um a two, you know the, the creating a um a culture where, where failure and inverted commas is it's you know it's it's you know welcome. And the the infinite game thinking rather than finite game you know, that it's not 90 minutes and and it's over, you know, sales is an infinite game, you know, you constantly have to work on it. And, and, you know, the only, when you do it over a prolonged period of time, it's only when then you, you know, you'll be successful and there will be days of, you know, not feeling great. Um, but that goes back to, you know, the leadership, um, creating a right culture,
0: Yeah. So that's what I'm interested in. So the thing is, if the gig is trading on your personality, Mm. then you have to be at your best all day, every day. You have to be at your most agreeable. You have to be at your most challenging. You have to be, you know, you have to be on it. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, the number, the, the, the goal is for everyone who works in a business, the goal should be profitability. You know, Mm. that is the goal. And so it should be, um, it should be, everyone is focused on that goal. It's about making the right sales at the right price to the right business, getting the right referral. It's all of that is right. But sales can't be because it's a, what kind of game is it? It's a, it's not a science because you're dealing with people and you're dealing with situations. You Mm. can't control this. You know, it's not like accountancy where you just do it in the right way and it's done in the right way. You are essentially surfing all of these situations, all of these personalities, all of the time. And you can't expect it to go right all of the time. You know, so a percentage of it is going to be wasted. It's the nature of the game. I don't think it's right to call that a failure. Unless mm. you've dragged that opportunity out for 12 months and it was never going to be a yes and you've wasted essentially a year of customer interaction on, on getting to this no eventually or then mm. finally telling you, you know what, we were never interested in this. Only then is it a point mm. of failure, I would say. Here's my question for you, which is, what do salespeople need from a sales leader?
1: Um. How long is a piece of string? I guess, you know, every single person is different. So you can't apply blanket approach to everyone. And the way I try to approach my culture conversations, what is right for you rather than to 10 other people. Some people need, um, you know, more coaching or, you know, providing unique perspective. Somebody needs help with, you know, I don't know, uh, tailoring offers. Um, some people need to um, have somebody that will show them how it's done. Somebody will need um, a leader that will help them, you know, to, to help them innovate. Somebody will need to, you know, they will bring a wider business to, to a table. So there's no, you know, the same with leadership styles. You know, you have to tailor it depending on the person that you are, um you're speaking to but i guess um you, you know it could divide it into two different things you know things like um sales skills you know i don't know effective questioning making sure that people you know do those things and, and but it's the most important for me is creating um an environment where people are honest and transparent they could be honest and transparent to you and say I either I need help with this deal. I don't know what I'm doing. Or um, you know, this deal is not going anywhere, I'm going to kill it off. Or, you know, I need your help with, you know, getting our product on board, or, you know, I need you to join a pitch or or um, uh, you know, I need you to provide, you know, uh, help with the marketing because the leads we're we're getting are not the right leads or whatever. So very woolly answer, Martin, but you know, I don't think there is a blanket approach you could you could apply to absolutely everyone. This is why I think you know, the sales training that is done in a group, you know, the retention of information is, you know, very poor beyond, you know, third week, people don't implement and stuff, you know, is what, you know, analyze going through a gap analysis with every single salesperson is thinking, what will make the biggest impact for you right now, focusing on it bridging the gap and then finding another part and you know then another part and then another part
0: yeah i'm thinking about my best sales manager was my first sales manager and he was he was just amazing and it's like everything is really easy you know it's really easy you know just do this it's really easy so we had so it was in like a media sale so we went through what they used to do in the 90s is they'd have like these big groups and you had to out compete each other and out debate each other and then you go through yeah. to, and, and we did that, that whole thing. And then we end up in this job. The amazing thing about it was that, like everything was really easy and he never offered anything. So literally I had to hit my head against the wall until it was bloody and actually go to him and say, I need help with this. And then he would give me exactly the help that I needed. Yeah. So for example, we were cold calling selling advertising. We're sitting on the phones all day, every day. There's no prospect. We're never leaving the office. This is what we're doing and um so i did this for a week or two and didn't sell anything and um and i said to him like i'm obviously not supposed to be in sales so i'm gonna leave now you know because i can't do this i haven't sold anything in two weeks yeah and none of that no one else had sold anything either but i'm like i've tried i can't do it and he said why don't you try selling the media packs they're free (laughs) and i'm like okay so i just got on the phone and i'm just like nothing other why don't you take a media pack you know blah 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 so then at the end of every day I'm now sending out 30 media packs and the next day I've got 30 warm calls to chat to you know two days later whatever this is before emails and everything was really easy it didn't matter what came up like I had to go to him and say I can't do this I need you to tell me which I think is brilliant leadership um and then he'd be oh it's really easy just do it like this and then you'd be just oh of course and then you just do it like that and It gives you the confidence to make it work. So the sales leadership that I needed, or I certainly needed at that time, was just the sense that it was achievable, very achievable. Whereas very often sales management is about, this is really difficult. We're going to have to really fight. We're going to have to really bludge. Do you know what I mean? And so it's that aggressive kind of, I don't know, challenging thing, I think that makes it difficult sometimes. Like, businesses know that they haven't really got a good market fit you know they know that people don't mm. really want to buy this stuff and they know that you're going to have to really pull some strings to make it happen but then when it yeah. doesn't happen it's all your fault yeah. i think that's i think it's interesting like that
1: um mm. but then you know you will have somebody next to you that will need you know more well, hand-holding you know yeah. somebody will you know put a loving arm around them and say you know um, let me show you how it's done. So, you know, uh, goes back to kind of individual approach and, and helping people to yeah, become yeah, yeah. the best version of themselves. But yes. You know, people got different skills. People got different desires. People got different, you know, need different help. You know, yeah. you could go through an effective effective questioning session with somebody and, um, you know, for, for some people, it might be a waste of time because they are very good in, you know how have their go- they've got their own style of asking difficult questions. Yes, that you know doesn't and some people might, might you know need them more. Um, you know some people uh, you, you know will give up um, very easily, and and you know then you need to be the one that helps them to motivate them on a you know daily basis or helps them with uh, you know putting some. Um, plans or daily operating rhythm in place you know you were obviously a different uh individual and you tried everything yourself and uh, the the only thing you needed is was somebody at the end to, to give you a little bit of guidance or you know have you tried this or this is it very easy yeah. um I, I guess you know um the same with leadership style you know some people like to be micromanaged some people hate being micromanaged there's you know your leadership style should be dependent on the person environment and situation that you're in. You know, if you are in the army, you know, asking people, Oh, what do you you think you should be doing would not work. You know, you have to give orders, um, the same approach would not work in business or might work in business, you know, but might might not work in in other environments. So, um, it's, I, I guess the same with sales. You know, we can have the best sales process, but you know you have to understand that on the other side of the fence, the buyers are humans. Yeah. They've got the buying process in, in mind um, and, and, you know, we are trying to control stuff that is, you know, or trying to influence stuff that is, you know, variable. So no sales process is ever going to be the same. No. Um,
0: and I 100% believe that. And I think in the broadest terms, I think you're right. You have to meet the needs of, of the people you manage. But I think in the broadest mm. terms, salespeople really need, here's what I think salespeople really need. I think they really need a sense of the thing they're trying to do is actually achievable. They've got a good chance of, of achieving this. They really need um, to know that there is a good product fit. That there is a genuine yeah. need for this product in the marketplace, they really need the respect, I think, of the people around them, so that they have the freedom to function. Yeah. And what else do they need? I think. I think that autonomy. Autonomy. Yeah, the freedom <clears> to <throat> actually just go and do what needs to be done. Um, yeah. And
1: I think and, you know, goes back to the, the, another point of you know not being afraid to fail um depending how you how you define it right
0: yeah well, i just <laughs> I'm not going to agree it's not a failure like if you qualify them yeah. in or out as effectively as efficiently as possible, that's your job as a salesperson we, you know we and, don't, we and, don't have,
1: and, have to agree on this one you know it's i guess yeah. the way I see it is you know I mentioned it before the sales is very binary you either you either win or or you lose right you fail so so this is an inverted commas fail um you Know, I, I fully agree with your point, and I'm going to debate that otherwise because I'm that's the kind of person I am. But no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think you know that it's it's you know qualifying somebody out is a failure. If, if you qualify somebody else after three years of you know trying to do business with them, that's that's a waste of time,
0: yes. But if you do good. it on the, on the
1: call number one, you know, but I guess it goes back to this point of sales being binary, you know, the win. Yeah,
0: but I don't think it, I mean, it is, but it shouldn't be. The binary should be, (coughs) the binary should be, did we do the number, profitability? That should be the binary. And then Mm. everything else in between, there's nuance. Of course, there's nuance. Mm. You know, no business ever closed 100% of its leads. No business Mm. ever did. Businesses rarely close more than 10% of their leads. So let's stop mm. pretending that it's any different from that. And mm. the sooner we identify those 90% that are never going to happen, the more time we have to invest in the 10 that are, the happier they're going to be, the better, more successful we're going to be. And so it rolls on. So but yeah. I, think, I think there is too much. That's what I'm taking away from this conversation is that there is definitely a picture that's been painted, which is a really nice place for salespeople who don't want to be in the game to hide mm. and i think it's really dangerous that's why i mm. think it's really dangerous and it's like the difference are you a football fan are you a man do you know about manchester united at least
1: I've, I've, I've married into united family so i have to say oh, okay. that i'm, I'm by, by proxy i'm a i'm a yes. united
0: fan so you, so you will have seen when alex ferguson left everyone's Ooh. heads left the game everyone's heads mm. just left the game those people who were serial winners couldn't win anymore you know mm. and that situation is, has has perpetuated because well i think for a number of reasons i think because he was a really strong leader maybe a bully so i think you mm. fear you, you can scare people into performing like that but i don't think all of them were scared i think they were all scared um, mm. and then immediately the bully goes away they, they stop functioning but, but that is the effect of people's heads in the games or not. And that is the difference between being a successful salesperson and not, is are you prepared to put yourself in the game and mm. put your chin in front of them and say, smack me? Do you know what I mean? Because when mm. you start doing that, you get actual engagements. Okay, we've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes already, so we are really close to the okay. end. Um, I think we kind of answer the questions. You are clearly qualified to talk to us about sales leadership think you've given us a good sense of how you go about doing that, like who you work with, what value you add. Um, recommendations for people who want to be better at sales leadership. Do you have recommendations?
1: Um, yeah. So I, I guess number one for me is to um, leave your ego behind the door. Yeah. And, and um, you're probably not as good as you think you are. Right. So whatever you've done in the past, um, whichever company, you've, you've, you know, you've sold to in the past, that might not work anymore. So being open, honest and and transparent and, and wanting to constantly improve your practice, constantly work on your practice. Yes. Um, as a sales leader, you have to constantly innovate, um, try to find different ways of doing things. So, you know, the way we do business now is different to the way it was 10 years ago. If you apply the same, uh, methodology or the same approach all the time, you're not going to be successful. So constantly innovate, um, be humble, be coachable both ways, coach other people as well, you know, um, be, you know, try to be coached by, by somebody else. Um, and i think what's very very important is find a mentor or a colleague that you could you know run um, your ideas past and they will say to you in a very open honest way no i think it's wrong or yes i think you're on the right track because if you surround yourself only by people that are saying yes you know you you inevitably end up in a kind of echo chamber so uh yeah, that's, that's probably my recommendations. Because, cool. You know, distill, it, distill it down. Find a mentor. Leave ego behind. Constantly innovate. There you go. Three points.
0: Cool. I think, I think everything is a pitch. You know, so I think in the same way your team are out pitching the market, you are essentially pitching the team. You know, you're motivating mm. them to do things in a better way, the right way. Those kinds of things. Oh. That's what I think. Okay, good. So, question number four: What should people read? You've mentioned one book already. Do you recommend people read that?
1: Um, so, I guess there are two different approaches or two different books people should read, in my personal opinion. One of them is that it helps them to master their craft. Yep. So, things about you know, let's say if you're in sales, you should be reading things like the Challenger Sale. Um, I don't know we've heard of this book by Matthew Dixon and Brent Adamson. Um, no. There's another one. Um there's another one by Jeff Tholl, T H U W L. It's called Exceptional Selling. So, you know, mastering your craft and you know reading papers, reading different things, you know, white papers of, you know, that's one of the things focusing on your craft. And the second one, I guess, it's looking at your personal development and, yes and you know looking at your behavior, your you know, mindset and, and sharpening your ax on the personal level. And on that, on that, um, element for sales leaders, I would recommend the courage to be disliked, uh, by Ichiro Kishimi. Um, and for leaders, um, probably the infinite game by Simon Sinek.
0: Cool. Brilliant. I've not read any of those.
1: So my my, so. my top book ever that I recommend for anyone to read is The Courage to be Disliked. It's, okay, It's the book that opened my eyes to certain things. And um, every single person I recommend it to, they absolutely loved it. Or at least they are too nice to say that they hated it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's the a one. If there's a one out of those that I mentioned that you're going to read, that's the one I would recommend.
0: Super cool. Brilliant. You've motivated me. I'm going to go and read that. Okay. So the very last question is, who can you throw under the bus? What I really mean is, who can you introduce me to who might bear to have a conversation like this with me? How do you feel about this conversation? Has it been all right?
1: Good. I mean, you know, it's an hour and a half and uh, it went very quickly. So um, I I guess, you know, uh, time flies past when you're having fun, right? I think, you know, I'm, I'm... I, I think we touched on, on quite a few different topics. You know, we maybe not fully agreed on everything, but that's fine. Yeah, you know, I, I really appreciate it having a different perspective. Um, so yeah, no, good conversation. I obviously like what you're doing with your podcast. So thank you um, very much. And this is the I'm 50th really...
0: episode. We haven't mentioned it till now. I was supposed so, to. So, agree. so from get... your
1: perspective, was it a good one? Well,
0: it was a really good one, and I like to think. I am being Roy Keane a little bit in these conversations because I don't have to be so challenging. I don't have to ask the difficult, ask ask the difficult questions or the challenging questions. But if I don't, it's much less interesting, you know, and much less Mm. useful for people, I think. So that's the way I like to think I'm behaving. So hopefully I'm being a little Mm. bit
1: like Roy Keane. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, You know, um, I mentioned it and about, you know, not having the echo chamber and you know, you need to expose yourself to different perspectives and difficult questions. Yes. You know, going back to sports, uh, you you know, um, your strength and muscle size only increases under duress. Yes. You know, was the saying that good sailors were not made in calm waters. Yes. Right. Only when, when, only, only when, when you're really at the, at the, you know, uh, at the edge where being challenged where, where you know where people are questioning where things are difficult then it's when when you improve outside of your comfort zone and that applies to everything you know to having a good podcast if you talk about only good things and agree with everything it's going to be boring yes right? yes so there you go good. so i i think you've got a bit of a Roy Keane in you martin i hope so i
0: really hope so and this is the thing that there i think go. though is that this is the opportunity of sales is to stand up every day and be challenged and be challenging Mm. but most importantly be respected for doing the most important job in any business
1: which is bringing
0: in the actual money do you know what i mean Mm. that is the opportunity of sales that's for me why sales is the best job apart from you write your own check essentially you know you can earn stupid amounts of money you can take on stupid amounts of responsibility you can go all over the world you know it's the most amazing opportunity i think so that's what i think mm. okay good so the question really is who can you introduce me to where i might have more conversations like this do you have somebody in mind or preferably two people yes
1: I, yes i do <clears throat> so the first one is um a chap called ian howell uh, ian is hands down the best sales trainer you'll ever see really Um, i've seen
0: some great sales trainers man
1: well you know i I fully buy into ian um probably unbiased because we you know we became friends after after over a decade working with each other uh but he's uh he's a guy that really um walks in and, and and challenges people in terms of you know what they should be doing in terms of sales training and um He's, uh, he's background in sports as well, rowing. So, you know, a great guy to talk to. Okay. Um, super cool. And that's
0: how will H-O-W-E-L-L.
1: That's the one. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So that's one.
1: And, and the next one, it's a little bit left field. Um, but the guy is called, uh, Nathan Jefferson. So he's actually in a recruitment, um, but he does a lot of stuff about marketing, sales, um, and he's got very uh, good approach when it comes to recruitment uh, okay. in a way. It's all about brand creation. Um, so I would recommend getting him on board because he's, he's the guy that um, is 10 years ahead when it comes to, to blue sky thinking.
0: Okay. So what he's
1: saying about right now, is going to happen in in five to ten years so that that's 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 the guy you should have on
0: okay super cool so the way this works best is if you can do like a little introduction in the way that um if it was ben or whoever it was referred me to you if you could do a little introduction like that that's 100 percent the way it works best and then i will pick it up from there yeah Man, I've thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. This is almost like counseling for me as well, do you know what I mean? Because I've got all this stuff in my head and, um, yeah, I feel like I need to talk to people about it. So, Good. thank you so much for your time, man. I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. Is there anything you said that you think maybe you shouldn't have said?
1: No, I think the views are my own <laughs> and, and, you know, there isn't, there isn't anything that, you know, um, I, would, I would like to retract. Okay, um, uh, you know there, there is uh, uh you know you mentioned a good having a having a sales manager that you know he was the best sales manager unfortunately in, in my life um i've learned what not to do rather than what to do okay um, and as, a, as a sales leader sales manager uh, but now um I, I think you know all this other stuff that uh, we said and, and touched upon I'll, I'll be happy to to broadcast to uh, anyone else
0: fantastic is there anything you haven't said that you should have said
1: um no i th- i think i think we've I, I, you know i feel like we could talk for all the different topics for hours yeah so you know there's there's you know we only kind of touched uh, at a very high level of, of you know um all, all the different different elements but no um i, I think we've covered quite a lot today so thank okay. you well, thanks maybe- for having me
0: it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming. And maybe in four or five months, you might get another message from me, and maybe we'll go for a round two if we can find some. Well, why don't we this. say
1: that you know I was on the fiftieth? Maybe i go on the hundredth, and then hundred fiftieth. You know, there you that go. That
0: would be a very privileged position to be in. I don't know. I'd have to think about that very
1: carefully. Well, them. well, if if you if you don't if you don't ask, you don't get, right? You don't
0: <laughs> okay, let's see how how things are sitting when I get to ninety nine. Well, we'll see.
1: Martin, it's been a pleasure. It's been an
0: absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, man.
1: Cheers.
0: Okay. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.